0: Everybody, it is Bad End Podcast. It is episode number twenty. We have an incredible show for you guys today. My name is Josh Calixto. I'm a writer for Kotaku.com. Have written for Rolling Stone in the past.
1: Uh, I'm Katie McCarthy. I am also a writer for USGamer.net. Uh, Freelance in the past, and I, uh, you know, you see me around the block, I guess.
2: Uh, I'm Kyle Cookstow. I used to write about video games, and now I mostly make them. Um, if I'm writing, it's in my diary, do a little journaling. Uh,
0: I take a lot of notes in text files, so that's most of the writing that I do. Hmm. That sounds like a lot of fun, Kyle. Um, Actually, we have a very special guest who recently received a very prestigious award for his writing. Uh, that award was the Knickerbocker Award award for video game journalism i believe from the new york video game critics circle and that guest is yusef cole baby uh yusef why don't you just uh, introduce yourself uh what what is it that you do tell us a little about your writing
3: sure i am
0: a freelance writer
3: and yeah the award was an honor to receive it was pretty awesome kind of came out of nowhere um but i been writing for a few years now and I tend to focus on readings of games that bring in like real world considerations and some some like an outside context, societal context, some philosophy and, and politics. And so I won the award for writing about uh, Cuphead and its historical context and in terms of like its art historical, con- art historical context and the the way it's attached to racism in early uh, minstrel shows and vaudeville and animation and how that kind of hasn't been commented on that much. So that was really cool to get that recognition for working on that because it was a lot of research. (laughs) Um, And that's always a good payoff, (laughs) I guess. Um, And yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to bring a new uh, perspective to games writing and are my own, like, unique take on things whenever I can. So that's why I like freelancing about it and writing about it.
1: No, I was going to say, like, your Cuphead piece, like, because I've been following your work for a while now. I feel like I've been following you on Twitter for just, like, fairly at least a year or so. Uh, before this cuphead thing hit when but i was like head. really excited to see it hit because like i like Unwinnable's work in general like uh our friend amanda gosh i can't amanda hudgens is that mm-hmm. her last name yeah oh yeah. gosh yeah she, yeah she's a friend of ours uh from the show i guess uh and she's an the editor there and just like the stuff she curates is really great uh so it's really excited exciting to see like one like a piece that you did do really well and a piece for unwinnable uh, and it's like an excellent piece, and I feel like I saw people talking about it for like months on end and are still talking about it. Like, when I feel like you can't talk about Cuphead without mentioning <laughs> that article, which I think is like really great, and that's what great criticism does. So, really, exciting. yeah,
3: it really um, was. Uh, I guess it just struck a vein in, in a lucky way, and sometimes unlucky, depending on who's reading <laughs> it. Um, but it was kind of funny because at the award show like a, a Cuphead won like for game art or something. Oh, <laughs> so like it was like awkward. <laughs> two awards <laughs> previously. Oh, uh, that's actually really
1: awkward.
3: It's kind of funny though. I mean, they weren't there. Like they mm. they did like a video feed. But it was funny to like be like okay now here is me <laughs> so, i'm gonna trash the game I, think, I mean, um, it was
2: super interesting for that piece because i think that like a lot of other stuff that like it's it, not everything obviously inherits it's like animation style from like minstrel shows and there's obviously the legacy of like the white glove and the white hand that persists across like interfaces and cartoons um like a lot of stuff that people talk about in games often gets like circulated pretty uncritically and i think it was really great to see i think like your piece was one of the only pieces that like actually alluded or even like or spoke directly to these aspects of the game which were like most people kind of stopped at saying like oh you know there's it it uses old animation techniques and i think your your piece is the only piece to actually unpack what that statement means um and i think it was also especially enlightening where i think i can't remember if it was your piece but one of the devs was quoted to like not even really having considered this like legacy of it and i think that you like, the fact that you were actually digging up some of this stuff about like hey like we should be looking at this both as people who are making games those people that are talking about games was like a, a breath of fresh air like i think it was your piece and then um i guess david david shimura did the piece on mario galaxy like not mario galaxy um mario, mario odyssey. odyssey like if like a few months after yours which was kind of hitting on a similar beat of like oh, it was right before actually oh yeah. it was right before yeah yeah uh but those but like those two pieces feel like a great one two punch of being like hey let's pump the brakes on some of this like unchecked um, criticism of games it doesn't take into effect a lot of these cultural um, basically like, like cultural perspectives that surround the game and so it's super 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 great to see you write this piece and also to see Unwinnable be the publication of both of these pieces and like willing
3: to support this kind of criticism. Yeah, it's a great um, journal and I'm happy to write, keep writing for them. They definitely support my writing really well. And yeah, they're just, they're all good people. And I, I I will just point out, um, Samantha Blackman for like Not Your Mama's Gamer wrote a really good blog post of like kind of a year before when the game was still in like E3 zone and like just Mm. kind of, was more conjecture because it hadn't come out yet but it definitely gave gave me some of the seeds to like start thinking about it when it actually came out because i was like okay it's out now like is anybody writing about it and like nobody was so that kind of gave me some of the impetus to to uh,
0: you know to approach the topic i'm like caught between whether i should ask you another question because i have another question or whether we should save this discussion (laughs) until the second half because in the first half we talk about like what we've been playing recently um, actually let me let me I'm gonna ask you one more question because it's just it's kind of about the, the game cuphead a little bit more how do you feel about the game like looking at it now like what is your like overall perspective on cuphead right now um you know I guess separate from the, the piece itself or taking that into into consideration
3: uh, yeah that's interesting I, I mean essentially yeah I definitely wanted to keep a kind of a level tone when I was writing about it just because it is a really I mean I do respect how much effort they put into making the game and like how um I mean it's still an accomplishment as like a, a game and a piece of art and I think yeah I mean it it doesn't like like I don't really I don't hate the game it's really a matter of I like looking at the the context of things and I feel like more than the game itself, the the discussion around it was what is what interested me, and in, and in, in terms of like kind of not really recognizing and coming to terms with um, historical context of of the products that we're putting out, so like that was something that I was focusing on more. Like I think the game, like as has been pointed out, like does mostly avoid stereotype and like and kind of the overt avo- the overt ra- like racial ca- racial racial caricature that was in the animation that inspired it. So, like, it kind of it defangs it, and it, it's a very, like, clean version that you can't really get mad at. <laughs> so, like, um, but I think that's, like, what's interesting about it, and, and what's interesting about, like, a lot of art that is based off of that period where you're just, like, um, it, it's become so Im- assumed and implicit in, like, the art that you're, like, oh, yeah, like, where's racism? It's, like, Mickey Mouse isn't racist, and it's, like, no, actually, <laughs> like, um, there's so much more to this and the fact that it's so inoffensive is like kind of something that needs to be deconstructed and examined. So like, yeah, I mean, I don't really have super strong feelings about the the game at this point. It's kind of funny just to, whenever I see it, I can't help but <laughs> think about writing about it. Yeah. So I have like a knee-jerk reaction there, but I think alt- otherwise, like, yeah, I think they, it's more like interesting what it doesn't say than what it says.
0: It's interesting because Kyle and I actually went to a talk with Austin Walker over the past week and he was kind of talking about that same thing where we were kind of talking about like, you know, what the relationship is when you're looking at a game and there's aspects of it that you find um, yourself criticizing the game over. Um, But I've just been thinking a lot about like, what is my relationship with these things? And it's kind of like a case by case basis, right? Where like sometimes the thing that sticks out, sometimes the thing that I'm trying to criticize is just so over the top that it's just like, I, I don't even want to keep playing this game anymore. Um, but sometimes it's totally. like, it's totally. like kind of in the background where it's, it's not that big of a deal. Um, it feels like you almost wanted to dismiss it, but I feel like I find myself approaching this from so many different angles on a game to game basis. And it's like this weird thing that I feel like we're trying to struggle. A lot of us, um, a, lot, a lot of critics overall are just kind of struggling with right now. Like how, how do we kind of frame this uh, in the context of like the actual game that we're playing as some this piece that we're enjoying?
3: Yeah, no, absolutely, and, and it's always it's it is a case by case and game by game basis. Like, I mean, there's stuff with the Quantum Dream game that's coming out where like, <laughs> should we even write about this game? <laughs> like, yeah. it seems right. so fucked up. So, like, yeah, you're kind of you you have to approach it on that level. Like, and yeah, like I think if Cuphead had um, gone more in the direction of like like unironic or like kind of just like putting up the state like re- reproducing a stereotype like in explicit ways like it would have yet yeah, been unplayable and i'm sure they recognize that mm-hmm. um so yeah there is definitely i mean there's definitely games that will get to that that get to that point where you're just like i can't play this yeah
0: which brings me to a game that we've been playing this week some of us have <laughs> i don't know if you've played this yet Yusuf <laughs> but um some of us here have been playing the game celeste which just released on ps4 nintendo switch and it's been out for a little bit you see it's
1: like it's a week yeah it came out last week yeah, yeah. sure it's like
0: enough for week. the take mongers to like chew on it a little bit sure um well kyle you seem to be a take monger oh. about this game what
2: oh oh yeah <laughs> i'm not a take monger about celeste i mean i think it's interesting that we talked we were talking about cuphead and now we're going to talk about celeste <laughs> i feel like i can respond to an opinion more than i can posit like a an argument straight off the bat um what but, you?
0: What do you? You want me to say Celeste is a good game? And then you'll be so that you don't. No, really, no, no,
2: like, no. So no it's not. excuse me. <laughs> I think Celeste is a strange game for a few different reasons. Um, one is that like there, uh, it's like so much of the release of the game. Like if you're, if you're someone who's involved in the games community from the perspective of like you browse Twitter a lot and you follow a lot of people that are in games. Like the release of Celeste was a big deal. Like, I maintain multiple Twitter accounts for a lot of different things and like. They're some so the most of them are not most of them. A lot of them are pretty disparate in terms of like their audiences, but I was seeing people all over the place talk about Celeste and like retweeting and like all this kind of crazy stuff. So this is like a big this is about like as big as of an indie release that Twitter will ever release. Uh, whether or not that's like translated into like sales numbers in terms of a wide release, like I, I can't say. But it was like a big deal. Um But like playing it, uh it's fine. I don't know, like I don't understand the like the whole like this crazy like amount of hype behind it i get it was like the Towerfall people which was like one of like it was like the game to indicate that couch co-op was back and then never actually come um so like there was like there there's like a big audience there but this game is pretty different from that Um, but people were just like losing their fucking heads
0: over celeste and then
1: because it's really good i don't it's fight. fun so I don't that's know,
2: also like, like
0: a bad metric to gauge i don't know it's like no no, no i'm just you're... i'm just saying what
2: i'm saying is my my point is my initial point is that the game is fine. Um, I don't see why people have like cared so much about its release. <laughs> okay.
1: I, why does okay. that matter? First of all. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that matters at all. I What I'm
2: saying is that if the like my point is that if there wouldn't have been so much buzz around this release and the game would have just came out, like no one's talking about Dandara right now, which just came out, which is another like. Oh yeah, I
1: really want to play great
2: looking yeah. platformer that no one's fucking talking about. Um, and I feel like Celeste would be a totally similar thing, um, where it's like, Oh, this is a fine, hard platformer, but yet like, like the discourse is roughly around this game because so many people are talking about it in the first place where it feels like people are, people are talking about it because it was big. It's like a, it's a weird cycle that has no start. Mm. Um, I see. so I, I, so my, my that's point is that I, I'm surprised by like how big this game is. Just like, like compared to what it actually is, which is like a relatively short platformer. That's like, kind of big in the
0: sense that big in the sense that you know the coverage or press response is disproportionate to a game of its size and is maybe even eclipsing other games that are seem to be similar in in size or i guess production
2: like no one has talked about the iconoclasts besides like oh it came out the same time time celeste came out it's it's weird that this is like being picked up on as like the thing what well, I think there might be more interesting stuff going on in Dandara and the Iconoclast than Celeste.
1: I mean, Iconoclast is, like, very talky. It's, like, there's so much, like, word. I don't know. Like, I think that's my problem with it is, like, I was caught. Like, Celeste is just, like, you're in and you're playing. And it's just, like, a very tightly designed platformer that is challenging in the main route but not super challenging and like the real challenge is like the where I feel like the game gets like really interesting where it's like I'm rethinking routes and like it's like I don't know it's just like a very well-designed platformer I mean it's not really and it kind of ties into like the narrative in a way that I didn't anticipate like I was just expecting to be like a smooth platformer probably but I feel like it rises above that expectation Whereas I feel like Iconoclast has like this whole weight of like this has been in development for like a decade and then it's just like uh, this is like a lot of talking and just like a lot going on and I feel like it overcomplicates itself because there's just like so many systems in it or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. It's I don't like... wanna
0: reduce the conversation to this, but is it a is it a is it a fun thing? Is, is this about fun? <laughs> Kyle, i mean i've already think...
1: dropped iconoclast. like i i feel like i'm already like not i really want to check out Jandara though because it, like visually it looks really interesting and um uh, i'm all about it's on switch right so i'm all about switch games <laughs> so and...
3: looks pretty cool have you played um celeste yusuf yeah i have actually played some uh, a chunk of it um i had to put it down because of monster hunter which we can talk about later i guess <laughs> um but yeah no i i played it a bunch of Celeste and I I like it. It's fun. I I I do I agree there's like this interesting phenomenon where they are like indie darlings and this is definitely one of those, like where it's just like it's just guaranteed to do I mean it helps that it's very well made and it's very good, like but it's definitely like has a, a big boost over games like Dandara. Mm-hmm. Um and like the just the unluckiness of games coming out next to each other that are very similar <laughs> where you're just like yeah. I do I want to play the same experience or similar, like, experience, you know, like, with the limited time I have? Like, am I just going to – or should I just pick the game that is, like, everyone's saying is good um, and then, you know, do that? So, like, it's kind of a uh, – there's a challenge – it's, like, it's an exposure issue where it's just, like – the only people who are going to play, like, lesser-known games are people who are very committed to, like, playing lesser-known games. <laughs> like, because if you're just going to, like um, – which I follow some of them on Twitter and you can tell that they're like angry <laughs> that they're not getting as much attention, but you're like, yeah, it's like if you just um, take a casual approach to like playing games and, and just like play whatever gets recommended, like Celeste is going to win every time. Um, so that can feel unfair, I think. Uh, and I'm definitely like guilty of that. Cause I have only played Celeste out of those three games so far. Mm. Um, but I don't know. I, I definitely think it is, it's a, really fun game and I do agree that it's like the the way that it's um edited like is inspi- is like just in- inspired like it's very like um um to the point and cuts off yeah a lot of the a lot of what could have been much more conversational and, and like kind of talking and story and but with it all at the same time like delivering a lot of narrative like depth to it. So like I think that's always like an accomplishment like most people can't do that um, and like just the way that like this the characters have a lot of character despite not having words and recorded dialogue so I think it's like all that stuff is actually like pretty impressive like most games don't get that right and I think Celeste does
1: yeah I, I think that's what because like I, I've played a lot of platformers I play a lot of bad platformers I play a lot of good ones but I feel like what hit me about Celeste was... Not only that it was, like, fun to play, but that I feel like there, there's, like, this whole, like, allegory to, like, climbing a mountain and feeling figurative to, like, having anxiety. And I feel like it really married those two concepts well. And, like, all, yeah, like, all the characters are, like, there's not too many characters. There's, like, what, like, three people you meet? There's, like, a ghost guy, and then there's the guy you meet along the journey. And there's, like, I feel like they're all have character in their own way they're all like endearing and stuff but they're not you're not like sitting in like a dialogue scene for like five minutes or whatever it's like just like little clips of dialogue and like doing things as effective as like what like making font like big or whatever randomly for something to accentuate yelling it's like there's like little touches that add a lot of character to the game that could have just been like a platformer about climbing a mountain and it like kind of rises to be but like more than that and i think that's why it's connecting with so many people like not just the caliber behind it it's like the fact that it's doing more than just being another good platformer
0: yeah i before you speak kyle um, <laughs> <laughs> you see me furrow my brow. Josh, so to speak first. No, because uh, Kyle, I think ha- has some legit criticisms of this kind of thing, which we've talked about a little bit on this podcast before. But I kind of want to get into it a little bit more here. But I-, I do like the way that it puts its story into the game, which is that it's sort of like an analog to you know this quest to find oneself by you know taking a big move, kind of challenging yourself via this celeste mountain it 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 invokes a lot of like magical imagery um but it always feels like a kind of analog to an almost like into the wild sort of um cheryl strayed type of um type of story uh, and i really like that about the game um but kyle <laughs> kyle infamously is a is a hater of i think people paint me he... as
2: a hater so often no 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 no, no
0: i'm not painting you as a hater because I not anymore. I, I want st- to take a step <laughs> back because I think that your point um about the nice core thing, um, yeah, is yeah. something that I kind of want to get into here and discuss that uh, in with regards to this game because I think there's like a legitimate conversation to be had around there. But I want you, yeah, I want you talk a little bit about, about, bit about nice core, uh, which is a a phrase that i think you, ter- you uh you coined i
2: might have been the one to coin nice core i don't know i don't know if that's like a 100 percent true but i was definitely i feel like i was talking to chris priestman one day and i said mm. nice core and he he took it and he was like oh that's interesting and that i'd take that as me pointing it because if chris priestman hasn't heard about it before it's like <laughs> clearly it's a real true thing um i mean i think so i mean i I don't know how to necessarily get into that directly, but I can speak broadly and try to narrow it down. But like the whole mountain thing feels like a thing that we've done before in games. So it doesn't feel it, it. like it feels if anything, it's treading the same ground. Like really, let me remind you that there was a $250 million game called journey that did the exact same fucking thing and is doing it way better than Celeste ever has a chance to do. Like it's, it's a thing that is known by everybody. What? It's like,
1: it's I feel like, like journey is whole, a whole different how are you, vibe. Like
2: carrying like, like different It's it life. but it's like a it's like so a sim thing. Like it's like it is it is a journey oh up God. a mountain and like in terms of self-discovery, which is like a tale as old as time. Like the Sisy- Sisyphean like le- like myth, like it's it's a thing that exists and is being done. So I and like in terms of like attaching a story to a platformer that's about climbing a mountain. It feels like someone's first idea about what climbing a mountain means. And it's probably why a lot of people climb mountains in the first place is because they're like doing it for like some sort of like personal self reckoning. So it doesn't necessarily feel like this beautiful marriage of like mechanics and story where it's like, okay, like we need to put a story in a game about climbing a mountain. Uh, What if this person's like trying to reckon with themselves? Like, okay, we'll go with that. Um, And that's like, I don't know. It, it feels in which makes a lot of the stuff feel like, uh, it, it doesn't feel disingenuous, but it feels like um, like perfunctory. It's like, oh, of course, she's got some inner ghost that chases her. uh oh, there's the inner ghost again? Oh, she's being like, but there's a friend along the way who helps her, like, be nice to herself. But oh, there's that ghost again. <laughs> it, it feels like something. It's like, it's. I, I'm, I'm not a fan of like throwing around the idea of tropes, but it is like, it's like very tropish in terms of like how this person is actually climbing this mountain. So, when people talk about the narrative of this game, it I don't view it as some sort of, like, revolution in platformers. Um, it's just, like, it feels perfunctory in a way that I think a lot of people see it as a more, um, like, intertwined piece, and I just see it as distant.
0: I mean, uh, the story might, you know, go into some tropey territory, but... I mean, the fact that it's a platformer to me, and that it's ex- they are telling this story via a platformer and using like typical platformer mechanics and addressing and using it in terms of a very like real lived experience of like depression and anxiety. Um, I think that is something that I don't see often. I don't think those are tropes at all. I don't think like the platformer ab- about a person struggling with anxiety is something that I see very often. Uh, especially when it comes to a platformer that has like very short, still pretty funny cutscenes that are charismatic and, uh, you know, to you probably cloying, Um, but (laughs) I, I was fine with them.
1: I I was fine with them.
0: I like that part of the game.
2: Braid existed. I think people don't do it because it was done at like a very high level. And then it's like, Oh, why would we touch this again? Um, going back and playing braid it's not like I don't think it holds up but it's it's definitely it's definitely a thing where like the platformer is often the, like the whole like the um there was like this whole thing like two years ago two or like three years ago with like the puzzle platformer that gets it like some it grapples with some sort of thing like you had like Thomas Ori was have you played Ori yeah, Ori like there's like the, the <laughs> actually actual Ori is actually is a fucking a- genre.
3: It's a good example of something that gets it wrong. Because I hated Ori, <laughs> because I felt it was super cloying, oh, and it was like yeah. like trying to make you cry the whole time. And you're like, no, I I can't cry because you gave me this incredibly difficult and punishing and unfair um, platformer, and spread out the story way too much, and then like front loaded too much story. Like, I mean, yes, yeah, the execution is totally wrong. There's a huge totally cutscene wrong. in that game at the start. Oh my god, that cutscene at the start is like 20 minutes long, and then you don't Jesus. see like. Anything happened for the next like I don't know ever because I stopped playing it. It was too hard. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think you well, I think you do get
2: Yarny. stuff that's more interesting. That's like yeah, instead I was about of- to
1: say, Yarny's the same and isn't uh, the same unraveled. developers or something. It's like. <laughs> or it's like Ubisoft's like indie division where they really just get, they find like a developer is very earnest and then they give them a lot of money and then they make a game that's like not very good. And this that is, seems to be like what their I'm saying, like, though, recipe like, for indie games.
2: It's, a, it's like, it is it is a known genre that's so popular that AAA studio is like remediating the aesthetics and like language of these things. Like, yeah,
1: it's not like, what, like, it's not indie, but it's like, it is. But wait,
2: So it's to say, it's not, I don't indie. think, I don't view it as like some like massive merging. I think stuff that's more interesting is like, you got the dichotomy of like you have Rain World, which is super sparse and suggestive mm. and builds a narrative, or you have like Owl Boy, which is like all narrative and like much more light on actual platforming mechanics. So whereas this feels like Meat Boy with like dialogue scenes, it's not. I don't know. I don't see it as like some like. Never, achievement I don't narrative. get the
1: Meat Boy comparisons. Like people, I feel like people are Spikes. making the Meat. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like because you die quick and you restart. But I feel like I structurally it's, the, the it's not walls. similar. Yeah, it's not similar. It's like the sticky walls. It's like you it's like slide down them and stuff. I don't know. It doesn't like feel the same as me. Me, I hate the feeling of Meat Boy. Like I, I've never understood how that game's yeah. be big because I don't think it feels good to play. Whereas I feel like Celeste like really clicked. Like I don't know. Like I, I'm into like more precise platformers like Mario. Like I don't like the floatiness like Little Big Planet and shit. So I don't know. I feel like it just like maybe it's just a click. I don't know. It's like, yeah, it's,
0: I mean. Yeah. Not to out myself as like a as a gamer here, but <laughs> I like the gameplay of Celeste. I, I I just feels good to me. Yeah, I am like a total. You sucker. played the game. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just watch a YouTube. I am like a sucker for dashes. I've discovered. I've I think like I slowly came to this realization over the past like month and a half is. I, I was thinking about a lot of games that I like and they all have like a dash in them. <laughs> it's just like, like skyward sword man. is the it's best Zelda. A joyful move, man. Like just just that that sense of forward motion and short bursts. That's like why Mega Man X to me feels infinitely better to play than the regular Mega Man series cuz you don't dash in those. Just got ones. the dash. Yeah. Um Damn. all that being that's that but that's the boring that's the boring stuff. Um, but I mean, that being said, the, the story stuff, um, I, I thought it was a good addition and it, 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 approached it in a way that I haven't seen even from other games that do the same type of thing, like the Yarnies or Ori's or braids or what have you. Um, but
2: like what, like what is also, that? Also braids sucks, that thing? can we just
1: say? <laughs> like what is,
2: what is that thing that you see that is like Celeste is doing that other things haven't done?
0: I mean, you can't, it, this is like a this is something I would wanna write about in a review, right? Is that like if you watch ten dramas, like they're all you know ten World War Two dramas, they're gonna have different good things and bad things about the story. Just because they're all World War Two dramas doesn't mean that they're all automatically the same shit. You know? Some of them do it better than others. I th- uh Celeste clicks with me more than a lot of those other
3: I think yeah. I think a lot of it's like the editing and brevity of the way it's delivered, like all the games you mentioned, either like Brave Bra- or Braid, basically keeps it all to the end. So it's all mechanics until like the last minute or whatever, and it's like here's the story. Yeah. And then Ori is too in the front, you know, front loaded, like I just mentioned. And also, yeah, I think, yeah, I think there's something to be said about execution and tone. And and it, I mean, for me, wh- where Celeste does a great job is somehow making a punishing game not feel punishing, <laughs> like where you're just mm-hmm. like. You don't feel bad that you die, like you don't. Like, <coughs> uh, the meat. Wait, what was it called? Super World Meat Boy? Boy. Super Meat Boy. <laughs> I was thinking Meatwad Meat Wad for a Wad. second. It was like, wrong. Meat Lad. Meat Wad game. I would play. <laughs> uh, but it, like, that's like painful. It just feels like like it's meant to be painful. It's this. They're all. This also, the the this like very like, masculine, like kind of, muscle core like that, and like braid also like where you're just like there's a certain, um, the tone is. Of a of the specific perspective, and Celeste doesn't have that. It like feels like a storybook, or or a or a Disney movie, which can be like a you know potentially like a a, a derogative or whatever. But I think you know Disney and Pixar are really good at at telling an old story well.
2: I guess I mean, I... Um,
3: and I think Pixar and I think uh, Celeste is kind of in that camp.
2: I mean, this is definitely, I think, where Josh has started talking about me talking about NiceCore as a thing. Because I do think, like, in terms of tone, there's this, like, this weird disconnect that I feel like exists between, like, the story and the, like, the actual gameplay of Celeste. In the sense that, like, the game is, um, it's like a, it's a hard platformer. I wouldn't describe it as, like, very hard or, like, masochistic. But it's a hard game. You know, it's not, you can't just jump through it easily. Um, So it's it's reflexive in the sense that it's like speaking to older platformers and kind of pulls upon platformer knowledge. And it's, it's talking to like meat boy. It's talking to Towerfall, It's talking to, um, there's even a sequence that reminded me of braid inside the game. Um, when you, I think it's when, uh, your friend that you meet on the trail, he's like going out through like some shoot and you go, right. And so he's running along the bottom and you're running along the top in like a very braid like manner that felt like a quote. Um, so it's like speaking to a lot of these things and so, but it also requires a high degree of technical acumen or mechanical execution to actually go across these levels. So it's already speaking to an audience that is like skilled in playing video games and perhaps is like understands and gets where this game is coming from. But at the same time you have this this story that feels like it's speaking to a lower level of person where like you said, it's like a Disney a Disney type thing. There's like this it's like kind of like sloppy emotionality all over the place. There's like the young kid who's climbing the mountain, but she's like sad and oh, like, I haven't even beat the game yet, but I know like there's going to be something at the end where she's happy and she transcends. um, And she's like, <laughs> and she meets like different people along the way that are all like, <clears throat> they're like, they're like very strong characters. uh, But, but, it, but it's weird because it's not like it's though the interactions between those characters are not complex at a level that the game implies that the player is in general. So you've got this like, varnish of, like, niceness that's then undercut by these, like, quote-unquote, tough-as-nails mechanics that makes the... But I don't
3: think it undercuts it, the thing, like, I mean, it's obviously subjective, but it just... there's something about how tone and, and the surface layer of, of the aesthetics, like, manages to make the same exact mechanics feel completely different. And I think that's, like, really interesting like aspect of the game, where you're just like, yeah, I don't feel like I'm like, super awesome when I pass a level or something, or I don't feel like it's, like, this cool, like, pure arcade challenge. It just seems like a way, like, I don't know, this is, is the way that it... um I, It's almost like Portal or something, where you're, like, it's... the levels are, you know, a, a challenging puzzle, but it's really more about, like, how they support and like underline the narrative or even just like punctuate it in ways that just let you think about what was said in between different like dialogue scenes. Yeah. For me, know, it just doesn't. Yeah. I that, actually made the sorry.
0: portal comparison um a while back. And I think that like made Kyle a little bit concerned when I initially <laughs> brought it up because I think that there's like a big aspect, um, like a big extent to which you are, you're doing, you're planning out your route through the level. You can kind of get an overview of what you're going to try to do. And then you try to execute on it. And slowly but surely, you get better at executing. And then you get to a point where that you've never gotten to in the level before, and you just like immediately die because you don't know what to do next. And it's this like, there's always this constant gap that you're trying to close between what you're trying to accomplish, like what you know you want to accomplish, and then actually doing that, which I thought um, was a nice little like, uh, I, that's not something I see a lot from these types of platformers. And I thought, helped to bolster the story which is about you know kind of figuring out what you want to do and then also trying to to find out and and execute in in order to get yourself to that point um which is a i think is an intentional connection that they're trying to make maybe that's reading too far into it maybe that's being a little bit too generous of uh with my reading but that's my interpretation
2: i don't think it's being generous as much as it's like you don't need to die four thousand times to get that point across and the fact that like the game doesn't actually interrogate like no, none of the story exists in those moments it's literally it's it's the same narrative every time it's it, on a given screen and celeste is indicative of the whole experience um, of playing the game where it's like oh you're gonna try a lot and you're gonna fail but you're gonna make it you can do that um, like, once in five minutes and then like you get it Like it is, a, it is a pretty
3: short game but I'm, what i'm
2: saying it. is that like a given screen gets across that whole idea so the notion that like Somehow, and then doing that, like, like f- literally thousands more times, makes the point more acute. I think is not true. It's there's like an assist mode once.
0: if you're playing it thousands of times, Kyle. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm more like extrapolating Danger, my death no. towards like a towards a goal amount. But do no, you hear you what, get what I'm saying, saying? Right? I get it's what like, you're I, saying. I, I totally understand it, but it's like there's nothing inside of those moments where you're not talking to somebody where the story actually exists in the game. And so it's and because the story is then relegated to these specific moments where you're talking to these characters, it feels like everything between is interstitial because even those moments are so same, like level to level that it's like, okay, well, the story is progressing when I'm talking to people. Everything else is just flavor in between in which I'm like trying and failing. I think that's
0: like that's a video game problem, isn't it? It is. Yeah, and I, 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 I mean, say,
2: that's what I'm saying. It's like Celeste is like other stuff. Like, I don't I don't see where the revolution is here that's like happening, where it's like, oh, it's.
1: I don't it's, think anyone's calling it revolutionary. I think people are just saying it's a good game. Like, I don't think. I've never I don't dispute I haven't seen that. anyone being like. I don't no, I've I seen anyone being like, I'm this saying... is like the greatest platformer ever made or anything. Right, like
3: it. I, I will just say that Portal did really good things with. Um advancing the mechanics as a story advance like where you go outside the the puzzles and stuff and you're like, Okay, this is actually matching it. And I like I haven't finished Celeste, so I can't comment on whether it does that. Um But yeah, I think like there you definitely have to intertwine the <coughs> mechanics and the narrative in, in a way that it's not just it's not always the same over and over again.
0: Yeah. I think it's a good yeah. point. I feel
1: like towards the end it kinda does that, like it, I don't know but I don't want to like, spoil shit. But I sure, don't know. Yeah. Uh I don't know. I I feel like the like Kyle like you're making the claim that people are saying it's like revolutionary, and I haven't seen like anyone saying stuff like that. So that's kind of like is bewildering me. Yeah, yeah. I
2: think I'm I'm extrapolating here, but my point is that it's like it's not. I don't I don't view it as something that's like this big next step in platformers, where it feels like it's remediating like normal like like normal design normal design characteristics of platformers, and it's like um it feels good. Uh, I think the wall jump is kind of weird but like and I also think that the registration on the Switch controller is bad like I feel like 99% of the time I try to jump vertically I jump horizontally uh, that might just be oh
1: me. are you playing with Joy-Cons play with the Pro yeah the I'm pro playing controller. with Joy-Cons oh uh, play with the Pro controller okay, I, I think it's a Joy-Con game. problem like the Pro controller is like way better
2: but I guess it's like but all that considered pro it's like Celeste it. no, is a fine pro game, game <laughs> pro. I, think, I think I have like a strong opinion about it because it's it's a reaction to the incredibly positive opinion I've seen around it which is not to say that I'm like being like um anti this game because it's popular just that like i'm like i i care about actually looking at what this thing is doing and it seems like i i just don't get where the praise is coming from
0: <laughs> all right all right i like celeste.
2: I play playing celeste like i played it See, today i'm gonna play it tomorrow
0: is, you never actually talked about nice court which which i wanted you to talk about because <laughs> i think with this game like it it starts getting into the territory of like it starts feeling like the characters are out of a Coke commercial or something like that, where it's like this weird, like, who are, like, these people are, it's just like, they're just so nice and caring for one another. And there's like, you know, even the main girl, she'll, she'll act like a jerk sometimes, but she's very, yeah, it's very, uh, it's
2: like, no one's going to get mad. No one's going to get mad at this game. It's like, oh man, the character, she's like, she's kind of (laughs) sad. but she's, but she's a good character Yeah. versus like, I think like night in the woods is a great, is a great way to show like something that is not nice core, but deals in the same themes where like, May's a fucking asshole. Like she's not a nice person, but she's like a character that exists and like has opinions and stuff. Whereas I feel like these characters are relegated towards like, Oh, you're going to be the nice character and you got to be accepting of everybody. And like, here's this guy, you should accept him, even though if he's a little weird and you have characters (laughs) say things like that guy's a jerk. You're like, who wrote this? This is so silly.
0: Okay, yeah. I mean, that was. I was thinking that when I was playing this game. I was like, Kyle's gonna think this is a is a nice core game. And it's definitely
2: still a nice. And game popular like, on Twitter, nice core. 100. percent There's an
0: extent to which I, uh, you know, you're like. Suspe- I'm like suspending my disbelief when I'm like reading these characters. Maybe I just <laughs> hang out with a lot of assholes. I don't know. But you know, usually in real life, to me, people. Oh are a no! Bit All more my complex. friends are
1: mean. So it's like very. I was like, wow, this guy's like so nice. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not used to this experience. Like, this guy, like I want to take a selfie with this dude on a mountain. Why not? He's so nice. But, I'm also
2: like not down yeah. for like the the like the justification for this being like, well, you know, times are hard in the real world right now. So everybody's got to be nice in the virtual world. It's like, no, it's, they can be, like, let it, like, let this, like, let there be an actually aggressive force in this game that's, like, keeping this person down and is not easy to defeat. Like, it sucks that I have to climb the mountain and win. Like, why can I not climb, like, I want to, I want to fail climbing the mountain. I mean, I feel like
1: the, like, alternate self or whatever is kind of that, like, always on your back. They're, like, an evil boss on, like, multiple levels and, like... Yeah, I but know. I
0: mean also the way that's resolved is can be yeah, uh, that's true. It's yeah, pretty that's nice true. court. That's true. Um, pretty or nice you can just core, yeah. uh, you can just
3: play getting over it.
1: Yeah, yeah. true. Yeah, you could
2: just
3: play getting over it, Not which is another game. It's basically what you're asking for. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the game that like, I punish you for over wanting it. to succeed.
2: Yeah, it's a good great. game. I think we we can talk about getting over it.
1: <laughs> I mean, wait. <laughs> again, <laughs> let's do it. I think we talked about like every podcast since it came out.
0: I there's okay a a few points that i have about getting over it one of which is i i get it like i get what the thing is i get the whole the the mo of this game which is that like you die and then you get bennett foddy like saying something cheeky saying
1: something courage courage or like trying to teach you
0: about failure or something Mm and the like game design and it's like he just like wants to sound smart in your ear while you like die a lot or like you fall back down a lot of times um and i i i think it's cool i i don't know if i'm actually learning anything about failure from it like is that the point yeah it's like an inverse argument to to celeste
3: (laughs) yeah you're having an inverse reaction to kyle's reaction right the celeste that's
0: so true no yeah
1: i it, it's funny because like I, i've i been playing or i was playing like celeste around the time i was playing getting over it because i was kind of late to it but it's it, they're it's funny because i feel like they're very different approaches to failure in a way i feel like i like both of them like i like getting over it a lot i'm never gonna reach the top of wherever the fuck that mountain that weird disjointed not really mountain is but you know like i i think that's They're, like, interesting games that parallel each other in a lot of ways. And I almost feel like they're direct reactions to... There's so much, like, conversation about accessibility in games and making games, like, easier so they can reach more players. Where I feel like Celeste, like, kind of comes, like, yo, we recommend this hard, but, like, we also have these options if you're you're not into that. Whereas, like, getting over it's like, no, there's none of that shit. Like, you're just going, like, you're going ham on this mountain. I I (laughs) feel...
0: No, no go, ahead, go ahead.
1: Oh no, I, I don't really have anything else. <laughs> I
0: I feel like what is kind of rubbing me the wrong way about getting over it is that there's a lot of like scripted moments, right? Where it's like if the player falls, like it loses, like the past 20 minutes of progress, you're gonna play this song or you're gonna prompt this thing, this cheeky thing for Bennett Foddy to say, and it it, it assumes like your mind state at the time, which is like, oh, you just fell you're very sad you're right probably now. pissed <laughs> yeah and i'm like i'm not <laughs> how feel, do you feel i am at peace with the fact that that i just fell buddy like i i hit like this like, i'm gonna point. Go do it again yeah i'm gonna do it again <laughs> and i'm like yeah, i'm at the point where i'm already i already feel triumphant in that i can get back even if i lose like what t- originally took me three hours to get to a certain point i can get back there in 15 minutes to 10 to 15 minutes and then even if I lose all that progress again, I'm like, you know, whatever. It's like water under the bridge for me at this point. I already know that this is going to be a slog. I've already come to terms with that. But then I have benefit going like, this is art. Cause it's hard. Like every time I freaking lose the progress. And it's like, <laughs>
1: Honestly, I do feel me. like some of like the philosophical stuff is so heavy handed. And I know, I feel like it's, it's said in like a ironic way. Like it's supposed to be like almost po- like satirical, but it's also like very annoying. What's with like, the commentary on the witness?
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I was thinking uh, the, the, v- witness, uh, um, the it's witness. It's also a thing in everything, everything—the <laughs> same shit. Where it's they're showing, they're playing you like philosophers, uh, clip like quotes from philosophers, just like incessantly throughout the. Is that yeah. like a that's a that's a trend, huh? Isn't it? I feel
2: like I, I want to I say it's, there's
1: two games now. I've done it, so it's a trend. No, it's yeah. Three, yeah. I just I want to witness, say like
0: everything getting over it.
1: Ah, uh, but I feel oh, yeah, like everything. everything almost justified. I don't know, just like I'm
0: not saying it's like every- good or bad. I'm just saying it's I feel like everything's thing.
1: like probably the best example of that because it's the new
3: grappling hook of video games. <laughs> <laughs> Philosopher It's quotes. the bow and arrow of 2018. <laughs> yeah. Philosopher Bio. Uh,
2: it does I mean,
1: I don't know. I do feel like everything was like the best example of that. Maybe because I, I don't know, I connected with that game. Like, with and like the Alan Watts stuff. Like, I don't know. It just like felt very married to everything in that game. I'm not everything saying it's bad. Everything.
0: I just think it's like, it seems like a tool, like in the auteur's toolbook right now. Of like,
1: <laughs> yeah, let's definitely. use
0: quotes from philosophers to teach. <laughs> it's you like know, they
1: just open up like wiki quote. Like, to... <laughs> all right, which ones can we <laughs> throw on this bad boy? Failure.
0: Yeah. And then like, and then use this to sort of, t- show you what i'm trying to say with my game explicitly i
2: I don't know like part of me feels like because the game like is is dealing with like asset store aesthetic like uh a character who has like a lineage in whatever game he talks about but feels like something that was rummaged up from the internet like part of me feels like the vo itself is um is is done not to not not to be taken at face value but to seem as if it is like wiki quote dialogue where it seems like it can be this thing that could have existed and pulled up where it's almost like um, I remember reading some interview with like West, like or oh, somebody writing an article on Wes Anderson and they described Wes Anderson films as like films about um, the way people remembered something so it's like the, the the like the films themselves play back almost as if they're memories of the characters that are in the films versus them just being filmed and getting over it has a similar feeling to that, where it's almost like a like what a what a game thinks of itself as or something. Because there's another version of getting over it where it's like the art is cohesive, like like op was stylistically cohesive. It's like it's a cohesive art style from top to bottom. Uh, the, maybe it still feels as good, but like the mount, it's like Celeste style. Like there's a nice mountain. Maybe you meet somebody, and like there's like heavy dialogue about what it means to climb a mountain. But instead it's like it feels like these assemblages of different parts. And I can't help but feel that some of the dialogue also feels like it's it's the same thing and should be considered just as such, where like the mountain that you're climbing is made up of all these different parts that aren't necessarily related. And I feel like I almost it almost sounds like Binifati like recorded a lot of like canned dialogue and then just like shot it out of a gun to see like (laughs) what what fit where and was like fine with that. And it's not like it's not I don't think I don't think he sees you climbing this mountain literally is like your failure or something. But almost that it's like, oh, if you were playing a game that was like this, it would say this says Bennett Foddy versus like, oh, you, this is what you're thinking right now. So I guess, I guess what I'm saying is it feels like almost like a, this meta layer of distance that exists. Um,
3: Do you think that the game does like foster this, the same kind of like massacore, core? like, feeling that Meat Boy had where it's like, I I beat it. Like, were people playing it are, like, kind of coming at it with that feeling, I, or are they embracing the irony of it?
1: I feel like with, in my experience, I, I'm not, like, getting frust- getting frustrated with it or anything. Like, I feel like it's a very relaxing game in a weird way. Like, I... It's kind of like the game I pop on when I'm like waiting for someone to log on for like PUBG or something. I'm like, okay, I'll just play Bennett Like, I'll play Getting Over for a little. I'll bit. play
2: Bennett Foddy for five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I'll
1: play Bennett Foddy for a little bit. Uh, but Bennett I mean, Foddy Simulator. Yeah, <laughs> that's basically what it is. But I don't know. It's, it's like an interesting thing because I feel like that's almost what he's perceiving players to. Fe- I feel like he's perceiving players to feel more frustrated with it than they probably like at least i am and like josh's and like other people i've talked to where it's just like we had my old my co-worker matt kim on like a couple episodes ago and he said it like makes him feel like very in touch with like buddhism because it's like very zen
0: mm-hmm. very
1: like relaxed while playing it and i feel like that's kind of the experience i'm having with it maybe it's like the philosophical quotes like help that experience where it's like very like chill you know like oh this is nice uh I- but it's also slightly annoying, not as annoying as the witness, where I'm just like, Ugh,
0: I think it's a- yeah, yeah, the we'll witness.
2: I feel like is them. fully just like it wants you to feel
1: uh. that
0: way. I think it's a good point yeah. though that what these games ask you to do by constantly kind of framing what just happened to you, right? You died, or you found an audio clip, or you turned into a bear when you used to be a house, <laughs> and everything. Um, <laughs> it 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 then plays you this quote that sort of attempts to contextualize it or connect it to some higher thought from a philosopher or what have you or in getting over it they'll play like a song that you know it's it's almost like asking you to meditate on what just happened a little more which is a little bit more of like an active play experience than I think I'm used to and I think that's I'm kind of like coming full circle on how I came, uh, you know, how I originally started talking about this game, which is that I was like kind of upset that he was, you know, <laughs> he had this opinion about me. But I do appreciate that it's like kind of contextualizing what is happening to me, or asking me to think about it in a way that I might not typically think of, like, hey, you fell down, uh, you lost a lot of progress, isn't that sad? Or how do you feel about that? And and then it kind of like, and then it it does the thing, which is it leaves you with that that thought it he'll say something and then it becomes silent and where I am right now I've already activated so many of those quotes that he stopped speaking to me like at all so I'll like lose a lot of progress and then nothing will play and I'm like hmm I'm like I'm thinking about like where where did what happened? Where would he go? Where did he, he go? What am I supposed I'm to be, be thinking right now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what am I supposed to be like thinking God, about?
1: Like speaking?
0: Yeah. Where's my? Did you break the game with your suckiness? No, <laughs> I think I'm good. Josh at this is game. too bad I'm at getting. A, over I think it. I'm good at this game. I've gotten pretty. Did you guys get to the orange? The orange part.
1: No. I saw the speed. Run. I'm not good at this game. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm like i like the also I feel like
3: I'm like I've oh, only wa- I've only watched videos. Mm.
1: Yeah, I watched a speed run and it was crazy. Yeah, like, this that person was just like going so quick and I was like, that's never going to be me. <laughs> yeah. But I also think getting over it does that thing where, yeah, like what Josh saying where like if you fall down, you can get back to where you were relatively easy because now you kind of know what you did that was successful. I feel like Celeste does like the same thing where I'm like breezing through levels it took me like 45 minutes and like 10 minutes and it's like mm-hmm. i like when games kind of teach you along the way without being like tutorializing every little thing where you're just kind of like naturally more like better at the game
0: yeah
2: i think it's really really like getting over it more than something like celeste because it has an actual notion of failure that you mechanically feel whereas mm-hmm. in celeste it's like you die you spawn at the start of the the screen you die start and say meat boys the same thing like a lot of these platformers do mm-hmm. the same thing whereas getting over it is like no failure is like a real thing like you can you can diegetically fail on this game and literally go back to the start and have to start over um not because your like saved game got destroyed or like you accidentally you know loaded the wrong thing it's like it, in the game you can literally just fuck up super hard <laughs> um and that feels that feels like symbolically important in terms of a game that like like is is kind of grappling with a similar idea like we don't know what the man in the pot is thinking but um the fact that like a notion of failure can exist inside of a game that doesn't break the game i think is interesting and that feels like something that's actually revolutionary that is like i feel like i haven't seen that before as someone who plays like a lot of platformers and video games um the idea that you can just like oh like you'll lose and you have to start over it's like oh man that's
0: what battle toads dude
2: battle toads yeah like this is like, I mean, also, like so, so any post, old games post arcade <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: like, yeah. super ghouls and goblins no, no, no. Yeah.
3: i do think that if celeste had that it would have totally broken it because again like like we're saying the tone is that you won't feel this way <laughs> like it, yeah. it's like it's a it's a feel-good story yeah
2: like, like no one playing celeste ever thinks that she's not going to reach the top of the mountain.
3: Yeah. Which I don't think that I don't think that's wrong. I don't think it, it yeah, needs think to healthy. make her, you feel bad. Like we have, if you want to feel bad, there's getting over it. If you want to feel good, there's Celeste. <laughs> Games like are I want so to
0: feel bad,
3: <laughs> Yeah, if you want to feel exactly just inverted, depending on your tastes. Kyle likes there's difficult
0: this, art, which makes him There's a game that'll make
3: you feel bad for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Guarantee it.
0: All right, I think. I I think we Let's should take a, take break. a break. Yeah, it's, we've been we've been at it for a minute.
1: oh Jesus for a while.
0: <laughs> All right, we'll be right back.
2: Uh, i want to talk about uh something that's that came across uh i think a lot of our radar this week as we're all discerning game critics and we like to read the hottest takes that are being popped out the take mill um which are usually pretty bad and we talk about them but something came something something dropped a few days ago i think it might have dropped to yeah i guess yesterday probably which would have been the 6th of february um who knows who can say what yesterday really was when you listen to this or today but anyways it was a piece on the website the outline by michael thompson um, uh, which was about outsourcing uh the outsourcing of like uh asset creation and games in general um which uh, i read josh read katie read uh yusuf read and we want to talk about it because um, I did a little. I threaded uh for the first time in my life, because I had some opinions on oh it. Oh my god! Um, I learned how to thread. <sighs> Twitter made it really easy for me to thread, but I had like I had three tweets worth of thoughts about this article, which is more than I think I ever have about about a piece. Um, so I I want to talk about it. I think it was really cool. Um, it wasn't like it wasn't take mongery. It was just it was, it was like it was actual real journalistic reporting about um an aspect of video games that is often hidden either purposefully or um uh, mistakenly from kind of the public view and perception of uh like the video game industry and i think that it's is kind of a mirror to a lot of other stuff that's going on in the game industry that
0: uh is really interesting um a mirror to what do you mean a mirror initial... well cuz i totally agree with you about all these things i well, i really liked that this piece it's a piece about outsourcing in games and yet it's not, that's like not something that you see nearly as much as like these, you know, documentary style, like me talking with like three developers about what the process was. And it's like the same story arc of like, well, we had some trouble during the process and it (laughs) It was hard. hard, and It was easy. And then then it got really hard. Some crunching. We did it. This like monomyth, um, hero's journey story about creating a game of like one group of people in the u.s who figured it all out or in canada or something like that you know um and i liked that this you know even just having this angle of like there's still thousands of people who work on these games and you know it's being outsourced to them and hearing what they have to say about it and how they feel about the products and how they feel about you know their work being out there in the world um, it was was just really cool to hear. Um, and then seeing, I really liked that they kind of contextualized it, and they 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 put all the art into the piece as well, so that you could see the product of like what they're doing at these offices. You saw pictures of yeah, the yeah. inside. Um, the office or the company itself that they were talking with was called Virtuous, right? Which is like a Chinese company that I believe they did what 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 kind of work exactly Kyle I think you probably discussed the technical Yeah yeah so they
2: did um for for Horizon specifically uh the article said that they did six of the like 15 or 13 like metal dinosaurs uh, whatever those things are called um they did and they did a lot of background work including a lot of the bandit huts uh, I haven't played Horizon so I can't speak to how how relevant the bandit huts are but I know like the big mechanical dinosaurs were uh, a thing that uh, was very uh, present in like the marketing material and stuff. So when they're showing off this game, like they're not, it's not like Guerrilla Games is hourly, um, like they own the IP for the stuff they're creating obviously, which is like the nature of outsourcing. Uh, but the stuff that they're forefronting is not necessarily stuff that their core studio has created. It's oftentimes like these people's work who don't aren't directly associated with Guerrilla Games. They may never be directly associated with Guerrilla Games but their actual work is being fronted as if Gorilla did it themselves. Um, which is, I mean, which is also, it's the nature of outsourcing this kind of stuff, but it definitely like, it peels back this kind of layer on this veneer of like, uh, the, the public perception of what a game studio wants you to think it takes to make a game versus what's actually
0: kind of going on behind the scenes. And I like that. Um, one of the points that he brought up, one of the big takeaway critiques that I saw from this piece was that, um, he I think in going to China and kind of see and talking to these people and seeing this process um at a you know at a macro level, he could really see why games would not have much control over like whether a game like Horizon Zero Dawn has, you know, appropriation in it. You know, like there's no central like with so many people working on so many different aspects of it, it's like it's being scattered so far and there's so many different things that they have to worry about in in the project management aspect of it, the getting all this work together in a way that, and putting it together, putting all the pieces together, um, that it actually just makes it harder to focus on small things like that that might come off in the end as problematic, as as it ended up uh, happening with Horizon Zero Dawn. Well, Gorilla is
1: like, they're scattered too thin because they're like basically relying on like cheap labor instead of like actually paying american employees more uh but i like i i still think like that makes them responsible because they're the ones that like they straight up said like oh they give us like what they want like an art direction like from an art direction standpoint like they give like concept art and like whatever else like oh like pictures and references for the team at Virtuos... virtuoso Virtuoso? I don't know how to pronounce virtuous. it. I think it's virtuoso yeah. But, uh... Like, they, they give them, like, reference material. And, like, I don't think that gives, a, like, Gorilla a pass. Because, like... Well, like, they didn't know any better. Because they're, like, a Chinese outsourcing team. Like, I don't think that's, like... Fair? Necessary. Like, I still think it's, like, on Gorilla's like, creative team to, like... Overlook. Because there's, like, also outfits and stuff. That they were in charge of so so it's like i don't i don't think it's necessarily like a a, gives them a pass on it you know because like but also it's like so much there's so many moving parts in a video game especially a triple a video game it's like of course there's not someone looking over every little aspect of it but you still have to have like a like it's i feel like it's not virtuoso's fault like it's gorilla's fault for like feeding them Like, not great reference material. I didn't
0: read that as, like, he was trying to give them a pass. I think it was just, you know, when you see something like that get through in a game and you just think, how could this even happen? I think he was just setting forth, I saw this process and I can see how it would happen. But I I think that still puts the onus on um, the studio to kind of take a step back and be like hey we should actually think about this even more even if it requires hiring an extra person specifically to pay attention to these types of things um i also like you know regarding the outsourcing thing is like you know a lot of people have a very specific image of outsourcing in their head um and the people at virtuous didn't even really like to use the phrase outsourcing because it's Mm -hmm. just like it's just you know they're doing this job and they i it's easy to think. And they like, were doing
2: real work. It was like right. they were doing like they were doing things that were like core parts of the game that yeah. without the game, the game would not be complete with them. And like in a big way. It wasn't like, oh, we forgot like this small UI thing. It's like, oh, like if we don't deliver on our six dinosaurs, like the game will not be done. Like they right. they felt like they had a core role inside the experience.
0: And they you know, and they totally yeah. do. And and it's not yeah, like yeah. a story, you know, necessarily about like exploitation of these people in China. They were talking about how, like, their hours aren't that crazy, and even there was, like, some comparison of, like, what the hours are like here, and uh the video game industry being, like, notoriously bad with crunch times and the hours that people are working and, you know, Virtuous, they're talking about how they get... um they get like overtime and stuff like that they get paid overtime and i mean not necessarily that we want need to take that 100 at face value i like to hope that if there was something going on beneath the surface that thompson would have gotten to it but um having worked at an india-based company before um whose primary thing was like outsourced work for b2b technology um sorry to, to get into like my other life <laughs> the here. Jargon. yeah i mean sorry that i like to get into this like other aspect of my life here but i did work through it for this company and they liked to talk about how it wasn't like outsourcing like they're doing they're putting these platforms together they're doing the bulk of the work um and the people there who are working at the company are happy to be there and they have like really nice facilities and um a lot of like our even like the ceo and like our c-suite would like go over there to work in that same office and stuff like that so um yeah i mean i think that like the the notion of outsourcing is like complicated
2: um as of like recently and per like i can't remember the dates that thompson quoted in his article but the fact that like it's not outsourcing when um almost like a a significant majority of your development team is doing the outsource labor like it's not it's not typical outsourcing where it's like you would send a thing, get a thing back. It's right. like no these like there's there's no way for AAA games to be made anymore that don't include this sort of thing, um, and I think it's also interesting reading this article at the same time. I was listening to this podcast um, with it's the American with Associ- American Association of like interactive something or whatever. It's AIGIS. I can't remember what it's called, but it's there's something called at uh, the Game Makers Notebook, um, not to be confused with the YouTube series. But they were interviewing the studio head of Guerrilla and when he's talking about like is he's being interviewed by the guy who runs Insomniac um and they're both talking about their studio and like their studio culture and how how like guerrilla has this really great studio culture and how they like spend a year of time working on horizon till it like till it worked And then they were talking about making the game, but like never once in this conversation or discussion that they're talking about the studio culture of Guerrilla or how Guerrilla makes games or how they made Horizon or like how Horizon comes to market or like who's actually implicated in the making of Horizon. Do they mention this like legion of other people that are involved in the project? So it's almost like there's a cognitive dissonance between like this notion of what the studio should look like and what the the image of the studio should be despite the fact that like half the labor of their studio is being outsourced to a team that's not even associated with the company
0: and i want to use that to kind of talk about the journalistic process that must have been involved with this piece because you know one of the main things we talk about and one of the big you know walls we constantly run into or people seem to run into is that video game journalism is tough because there's such a lack of access um studios a lot of times are like black boxes who will just simply not give you any information if you say something they don't like they will like straight up put you on a blacklist they're notorious for that and with this piece I was I'm just thinking like what did Thompson have to do to interview these people like when I think about something like Horizon Zero Dawn I'm sure that they want the story to look like a no clip documentary type thing where it's like
1: yeah, we you know, we I had think No did do a documentary. They do the documentary yeah. it's, it's
2: just like this thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like literally it's like they interview like ten people and they're like, Well, it was hard and we we pulled off this weird idea. Yeah. And I think I mean just to quickly interject again, like um Thompson also recently wrote a piece uh reviewing this this uh book about video game creation. Um and in it he talked in the piece he talks about how the author of the like the piece talks about how these like triple a studios like come up with the same ideas and don't even realize it so like they've got these like crazy ideas about the way their thing's gonna work and then the guy on um in the podcast the the studio head of gorilla talks about how they saw enslaved which if you guys remember was this like kind of game in a similar vein that like Mm -hmm. another studio just dreamed up at the same time so it's not even like it's not even like these studios have like incredibly original ideas like they're all thinking the same thing and it's this massive like
1: it's like it's a, like, it's a group thing, yeah.
2: yeah,
0: yeah. So I mean, I, I was Sorry, just thinking Josh. about the no, no, fine. Uh, the email that he, <clears throat> he must have sent, like if he had reached out to Gorilla, and I was like, hey, "Oh, Gorilla
1: would have like yeah. shut that down." Can I talk to your? Sure. Can
0: I talk to Virtuous, the people who like you outsourced X amount of work to on this game? No, freaking. <laughs> that is just absolutely. That's where a journalist's story of reporting on this thing would end, right? So he, I'm sure yeah. he probably reached out to someone on that side of things. He probably worked out, reached out directly to Virtuous. I don't know how many times that's really happened before. But I think it's something that you have to kind of applaud on his part. Um, and then the outline, which is not a games journalism publication, gave the go-to-head. Just to do this type of work, it takes so much like workarounds. And, but at the end of the day, what you have is a story that amounts to video game journalism and what I think is good video game journalism in the sense that he's like going out, he's getting interviews, he's portraying what he sees uh, in a way that seems to me to be fair. And that he, he kind of like, he, he tried to pull at strings here and think about like, what's going on beneath the surface. He's like, you know, he's, he's a critical guy. He thinks that way. Um, and we learned about this side of game development that, rarely is like a part of the story that rarely gets to hold even though they have a massive hand in what horizon zero dawn ends up looking like at the end of the day
1: no it's weird like i've never i never thought really much about outsourcing until it was like a few months or i think it was like a couple months ago when uh pub or player knowns battlegrounds entered like its test server where it had like a new menu and everything for version 1.0 and the main model on it had... Or the the female model on it had, like, a... uh, God, what's it called? Camel toe. So it was, like, <laughs> her, like, vagina was, like, very clearly rendered. And it was very uncomfortable and weird. And I was, like, how did this happen? And their explanation was, like, oh, it was an outsource... It was an early outsource model for this game. Like, it was, like, an old model that somehow got into this new... Like, won't happen again. Like, they fixed it. It was, like, no no worries. But, like, I was, like, I never not even heard of, like, outsourcing before, and I remember, like, reading a little bit into it, and I was, like, oh, so that- I guess that doesn't surprise me. Like, I was, like, I was kind of caught off guard, and I felt stupid for not knowing that outsourcing, like, existed for video games. But for me, that was, like, my first, like, I guess experience with learning about it and hearing about it, and then hearing about a game developer, who are, like, relatively amateurs to the scene, because, like, PUBG is, like, a new game and everything, like, really, like, fuck up big time with it, uh but i don't know where i was going with that but i think they i think thompson actually used that as an example in the story if i remember yeah I like yeah, yeah he did
2: yeah. and there was <clears throat> there was also another and on the same podcast that i can't remember the name of something games notebook um one of their first interviews was with brendan green and there was talking he, the camel toe thing hadn't happened yet but he was talking about how that same team that he was working with he was like describing like oh i want like kind of like uniformed outfits or whatever like they should look pretty cool like kind of rustic and like two months later he goes and reviews their work and they've like pulled resources of like basically nazi uniforms and they're like "Does this look good and he's like no it does not look good <laughs> so i think it's i think it's a it's a thing i mean like and then there's other issues with it that aren't just like cultural insensitivities i think it's I think the fact that this is now just a required part of making a AAA games like says something about the nature of making AAA games right now. It's that it's like you can't you can't do it like you can't do it in the place that you're at without just like making a ton of your labor not be in house uh, and maybe that's the reality of it that will continue to exist. But it also feels like something that's like untenable.
3: And it's it feels a bit unfortunate because I think like we were saying earlier that the like developers won't really come up with very interesting ideas. And that's kind of a byproduct of this because I think what's rewarded more than anything is, like, a lot of things. Right, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, if you just, like, shove a lot of assets <laughs> into your game and, like, polish it and, you know, hire 2,000 people in China <laughs> to, like, basically populate your world into, like, ridiculous level level of detail, then everything else gets kind of forgiven. And that's, I think, the byproduct of this. Because like something I was I was thinking about also was, like, you know these people have ideas too it's like they they don't like like the idea the term out being outsourced is like how do we get to the point where we can like they can make their own games and, like those can like have traction in the West, and like it's not just the same three developers like making some iteration of each other's game like over and over again
2: yeah yeah
1: no oh, yeah i was I was thinking of like this kind of argument in relation to like like companies that port games directly. And like I was like thinking about this recently with like the Blue Point remake of Shadow of the Colossus, which I feel like loses a lot of like the tone of the original because it just basically just makes everything look really shiny and nice, and they like like made the lighting different, so it's just like literally scenes like just like look straight up different. And I, people are saying it's gorgeous, and I'm like the w- one person that was like, I don't, know, I it's pretty, I guess, but it doesn't look as good as the original in my opinion. At least from an art direction perspe- perspective. But it was, like, making me think of, like, when, like, when, for game developers that, like, only make ports, like, that's all they do is they port other people's games. Like, what? That's, it's such, like, a weird, like, unseen labor almost in a way. Because it's still, like, the, the company that's getting the hype around it is going to be the first developer. It's, like, the recent L.A. Noir thing was not, like, a Team mondi thing so they've long been dissolved. It was, like, some other port, company doing it and that's like the real reality of like all port especially switch ports like that's like the new hotness and there's like companies that are going to arise solely to port switch games like whoever has ported skyrim to switch was not bethesda it was like some other weird developer and same with doom on switch and it's just like this weird unseen labor i mean they're still getting credit they're still getting their name on the thing like and virtuos stolen the credits for horizon zero dawn so it's not like they're like unseen but it's still like
3: 30 minutes later yeah, it's,
1: yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah exactly that's like the very end but it's like they're not seen as in-house they're not being like i mean they're still being seen for their works so their stuff's getting published and their name's still on it but still like this weird thing where it's like, what if they got to make their own game? I wonder what that would be like. And it's like, that's probably, they're just probably just making the money as just a port Smith or whatever.
2: I mean, we see what happens with this type of stuff too. Like the whole, like when these VFX studios are collapsing in Hollywood, because all the labor is getting outsourced, like the long tail of this stuff is like gorilla games goes away and virtuous becomes a massive, like skilled games developer who's um, making games that are like selling in America. Uh, so I think it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like there's a precedent for this thing and it's like, it's, it, the th- same thing just happened in movies. Now it's happening in games. And I think if people don't see this as like a warning sign, that like, Oh, we should change things. You're going to have the same sort of like rhythm and hues fallout that you had with, um, like studios in America. Or I think, I think Guerrilla games is actually based in like Denmark or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's, it's the same
3: principle. It's kind of tough though because I think like you have to change the actual formula as opposed to like getting better like with some like amorphous definition of of competing because there's just no way that like American Studios could compete because they would have to pay people way less than they do and they already don't pay them that great yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. um so it's like it, I think the the base issue is that the kind of games that people are asking for right it's like the fact that, yeah, like, as they mentioned Amy Hennig talking about how it's untenable to keep making, like, games that look like this. And I think that's a fair issue. I, I I mean, I don't think... I'm a little... I'm not very hopeful that we can reverse course from this because, like, it's just, like, every direct... every, like, influence is pushing in that direction. Hollywood and games are kind of, like, converging on one central point where it's, like, they're kind of... they look like each other. Like, it's just, like, CG everything and um like make your make up the action figures move and then that's uh the next 20 years of marvel marvel movies and then the game for games it doesn't really matter like if this sto- if the if the premise or conceit is that interesting as long as it looks like a movie and plays good like and then is like has gives you like 30 hours of gameplay so it's kind of like i don't think there's a i think in that future like it it's not going to look good like for, for small American or for medium sized, even American game studios. Like there's no place for them there, at least to work in, to have like a job that's not like nonstop crunch.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the article brings some of this up as well, where it talks about um, like the difference between um, like uh, Horizon coming out as well as like what was actually big that year. And there is like this Chinese mobile game called, I can't something. It's like a very mobile gaming name. But it was like the best-selling game last year, um, and then Horizon Zero Dawn, I think, said made like twenty or thirty. Mil, or no, it made like some some like tens of millions dollars of profit versus PUBG, which is like a relatively smaller unknown studio who was fully outsourced its labor, um, made like four hundred million dollars. So the and there's something about like EA like um, reduced its workforce by like six hundred people or something and saw like. A one billion dollar increase in profits. So it's like the mo- like the model is unsustainable, and it's like it's already failing now. Um, so I think it's like we're going to see like some. I don't know if it'll be a paradigm shift, but something is going to happen in the next like five or ten years where the some it's like the like some sort of shift happens. Like the nexus of video game creation might like be a thing that just exists in China now. Um, there was a great another great podcast that I can't remember the name of where I was listening to. But it was somebody who had just went to the Chinese game festival, like the the Chinese E3, which I forget what it's called. Um, And they were like, yeah, it was crazy because the Chinese gaming market is massive. But like you go there and like Bethesda is showing, but Bethesda is not showing Fallout. They're showing Fallout Shelter, which is a mobile game. And it's selling like Buku dollars, like significantly more than Fallout 4. Um, so I think the, I think the model is happening there, but as like the, like the common gamer vernacular is like mobile games aren't real games and they don't matter when in fact the market for mobile games is actually defining what it means to be a video game now. Um, and you have things that are massive successes, like in terms of being a video game that are just unrecognized in terms of like this discourse of like this triple A. like the idea of AAA itself is like, it does not take into account these other things that are actually more of a success and more profitable than things like Horizon.
1: No, in China, there's like this interesting, like the like the fact that mobile games are like massive, but like people are keep talking. I feel like in the West about how battle, like battle royale games, like PUBG, are gonna be like the next big thing, and they're gonna be like new hotness. Like there's rumors floating around about Red Dead gonna be having it when it comes on October, but like in China, battle royale games have been like they've like clung to that genre since pubg be- first started blowing up and there's like hundreds of mobile battle royale games and they're like finally because pubg was never in china and like i think tencent which is like a huge game company there they're Even like cool. releasing pub they're releasing two versions of pubg on mobile only for china one that's basically like the real game like the actual game and one that's like a weird spin off thing that also has the like pubg name on it so it's like it's really weird thing where it's like if like, let's say virtuos or whatever were to make their own game with all the skills they got from, like, basically doing every AAA game you can think of. Like, they've done, like, un- stuff for, like, Uncharted 4 and, like, so many other games, like, that were listed. But, like, they would probably just pivot to the mobile market because that's, like, what's big there. It's, it's like, a different... It's, like, their skill set is not suited to their game market, so they work to for another game market.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, like Western centric view that we tend to have USA centric view. Like we think that like our industry and like AAA is the be all end all of what video games is. But um, in China, yeah, you're totally right. Like there's so much going on there that, you know, we seem to be moving towards slowly, but surely over time Um, with like the way that mobile uh stuff works. I mean, I was actually just at <laughs> again to bring it into my, Uh, Work Life, I was at the National Retail Federation uh, conference here, which is basically a retail um, conference. And they were talking about Alibaba, which is the retail company and their sales for um, like their Black Friday. I forget. I forget what they called it. uh, They like tripled the amount or like quadrupled the amount that like Prime Amazon Prime made on like Black Friday. Uh, Prime Day, like every single major holiday, they like multiplied those sales by four on this one day um, in mobile sales in China. Like it's absolutely insane the extent to which people are using these platforms over there that we just don't have any perspective on here because we haven't really reached that point yet. But I think it's also because we're stuck in this mindset of like video games are this monolithic thing where you play for sixty hours, and like we have this very specific view, where, you know, there's a there's another way that that can manifest itself, which is like as this very accessible, like Candy Crush esque, like a, open to many people, but still has a lot of genres reflected, um, and games are, and I think games in that incarnation are probably a bit more accessible to a wider audience of people which is why they are so are so popular over there um and i think that we will probably move towards that like if you look at past successes like clash of clans um and uh candy crush and what have you God, that's
1: like a... my most one well, of my most played games is a Chinese mobile game, like Love Nikki Dress Up Queen. I'm pretty sure. I think it's Chinese. Like it's a Chinese mobile game that somehow spread across the lands to me, <laughs> and I've spent like five dollars on it, and I feel oh. guilty about it.
2: I wanted to... like the new Neko Atsume game is like <laughs> super popular too. I think. Oh yeah, yeah,
0: the frog one. Oh yeah, the, the frog, frog one. Yeah, but I it's wanted not to English bring yet, up so the... enough, yeah. we had we had talked about the. Uh some some potential analogs wasn't there that um great wall movie that came out last year yeah it's matt damon
1: everyone was mad about it but it's like a chinese movie they just put matt damon because they're like well we gotta get a white guy to bring some it's it's, it's
2: funny because like that same shit actually happens in american movies we just don't see it like there's there's different cuts of marvel movies that have like prominent asian actors and actresses that they literally cut out of American films and ship them to China with those people in them. Like, I think they, was, this was like a thing, I think that happened even with um, like Rogue One in Star Wars. Uh, the guy, I think it's like, uh, Donnie name donnie yen i think he i think he and his like compatriot and fighting had a much bigger role in the film that was actually in the chinese version i know like iron man is like all the marvel movies do this so it's like it's weird that we see it and we're like it's weird that matt damon's in this chinese movie and whereas like in china they're like fuck yeah this like asian actor is in this marvel movie we're gonna go see this even though it's like american
1: China's uh, like the second biggest market in the world for movies like movies like they, yeah, they do huge. well usually they usually do the best in China and they do well also in America and that's why like in so many blockbusters you see like Chinese actresses popping up like in King Kong Skull Island like they had god I can't think of her name but like they they just kind of it's just it gets away
3: Independence Day as well yeah
1: yeah it's 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 like a weird it's it seems like a weird thing so like you start to notice it you're like Oh, I've seen her in, like, these other block, but like, weird Hollywood blockbusters, and she always just, like, kind of pops up, but, uh, it's it's also, like, a, like, it's definitely a Hollywood move, because they're trying to get that China market, so, like, we have to put someone that Chinese audiences will obviously recognize more than just, like, all these white people that probably look the same to them, you know, it's, like.
2: I just love that China's like, listen, America, we don't fuck with your idea of problematic. Here's Matt Damon. He's fighting the Great Wall. (laughs) enjoy that, it okay that movie is like he's got I a try-
1: top knot <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and I, that movie's bru like not good like i tried watching it and i was like oh okay i'm surprised uh, you
2: did it you took the dive on the day yeah i
1: i hate Damon. he's like so bad i just saw that movie downsizing it's oh, like the worst movie i've seen it. in it's a lot bad. no like, charlie it's a, kaufman and everything Charlie Kaufman did not have anything to do with that bullshit. I thought he wrote that. No way. It's really bad. I think what sucks the most about it is the first 30 (laughs) minutes are like, here's this really interesting premise and here's this really interesting idea. And then it just like turns into like, here's this like divorced man finding his life again. But like it has nothing score. to do with the premise. It like really goes off the deep end. I feel like
3: that's wrong the problem with Matt Damon movies. Like every one of the movies he's in is going to be like solve this white man's problem. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's, like, that's exactly so what.
1: That's all they are.
3: Every single movie. And what
1: sucks is like the the lead actress is like this Vietnamese actress who is also in Inherent Vice. Like she's like not been in much, and she's like really good in it. But the writing's so bad that was like. Man, this is probably gonna tank her career because it's like not good. Yeah, I kind of felt
3: bad. Yeah, because like Constance Wu was like shouting her out. She's like, "How come she's not getting Oscar recognition?" Yeah, I was like, "I'm not watching this movie. I'm sorry." Yeah, it's like, <laughs> like the movie's bad. Not, and I'm it's not like, gonna take the bullet.
1: <laughs> yeah, like she's she does the best she can with that material, and like the fact that her first movie was with Paul Thomas Anderson, it's like okay, like yeah, she might bad. have like that's like a pretty good get for your first movie, but I don't know, it's. It's sad because, like, yeah, she does the best she can with the material. But then it's also, like, she's basically just a prop in this whole movie. <laughs> it's, like, for this, like, boring white man. I don't know. Man, Damon downsizing sucks. <laughs> don't see that movie. I, bring,
0: I brought up the uh, the Great Wall thing because I do think that, like, the globalization of the of entertainment industry and, like, different countries getting a say in, like, what American art looks like or Americans having a – playing a role in, you know, Chinese film – um, I think that's all interesting territory, but it seems like video games are so black boxed and so interested in perpetuating this myth of like a central studio that mm-hmm. I don't see any analog for that in the video game industry. I don't see there being, you know, this kind of crossover. Um, this like, the this last like reaching
2: I... out to be like...
0: Right, right. Yeah, the last ahead, thing I, was... I could think of was like, wasn't there like an Onimusha game that had... um. Jean Reno in it.
1: <laughs> what? Yeah.
0: There was an Animusha game that had John Reno in it. It was I mean, I thought that was pretty dope, but Animusha is Capcom, I think, right? So
1: I mean, does like having Kiefer Sutherland count for global <laughs>
0: Also
3: there was that um <laughs> the it the last Ipmon movie, speaking of Donna Yen, when he fights Mike Tyson. Oh, yeah. He fights he Mike was Tyson in an Eatmon awesome. movie. It was really good. What? Yeah, he's like an it's like itman four or something. Holy shit. And like Mike Tyson's like this like American expat, <laughs> like hanging out in Hong Kong it's Mike and they Tyson. just like have this it's like watching the Street Fighter like thing because like Mike Tyson's like basically playing Balrog. <laughs> oh my god. And he's like pu- he like punches him. He, he just punches. That he doesn't sounds kick It's amazing.
0: Him, the first Eatmon. It's is a
3: really, really cool fight. Jam.
2: Yeah. The first one. I just watched yeah, the first I Eatmon a little bit. Like... This Christmas, I just literally just watched it.
0: They're so it's so good. I like good. how JJ yeah. Abrams like put the guys from the raid in the Star Wars movie just like randomly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, yeah. <laughs> just walk into the scene. <laughs> it's like, okay, oh, job done. Uh, I
1: know what JJ Abrams has been watching in his first time.
0: Exactly. It's like an
3: Easter egg. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, it would be it would definitely be awesome if games like did some of that more. It'd be interesting to see how that changes. I think, like, I mean, the, what they look like. I the one wonder...
2: part about it is that is like it seems like it's not like it's different in a movie because the experience of watching a movie is like more or less the same cross-culture. It's like you sit in front of a screen and you see a thing. Whereas like regional differences between games break down across mechanical lines. So it's not like, like fallout four for a Chinese audience doesn't look like fallout four with a prominent Chinese actor or actress. It looks like fallout shelter. And that doesn't necessarily mean that like in the audience for those are different. Whereas like, you could put you can like swap out actors and actresses and like appeal to different markets, but like Fallout Four will fundamentally not be Fallout shelter. So it's hard to like extend a hand like that without like inventing like a whole new genre that like synthesizes the two or like there's I don't I don't know how that reaching out happens. Wait, I
0: just thought of um Sleeping Dogs. Speaking of Donnie Yen <laughs> Speaking of Donny Yen, he's gonna be in the oh, Sleeping yeah. Dogs movie. And that's Chinese, awesome! I'm so excited. Yeah, uh, it's a game that takes that place like in Hong Kong. That fucking does dope. place in Hong Kong. Wait, where does Sleeping Dogs? Yeah, yeah, it does.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah, I gotta I play was, like, Sleeping Dogs. Might be... <laughs> that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's exciting.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, I'm um, excited about that. i It's such a weird thing because so much of the narrative around Sleeping Dogs there was a failure, and then the the studio got shut bomb. down. Like, two's not giant happening, and now forever. like.
3: <laughs> the ghost of sleeping Is dogs it, i'm patting you on. The it's back. interesting though because i mean not to drag it out further but like the mobile market kind of failed in the u.s like i mean remember like five years ago it was like all games will be mobile yeah and yeah. Then everyone's like i'm not making any money off of mobile Like, it's like no longer a thing that you should try and do in the u.s to make any money yeah, because like a, it got so flooded
2: yeah i think i remember like even at e3 now it's like you don't see talks about like mobile game making and like monetization stuff it's all about it's like it's about basically like a return to like either making triple a games be better or like making a sustainable indie studio there's no talk about like oh you're doing mobile stuff there's like there's like a mobile track but it's definitely not like i don't think that you have like the gamer crowd saying that like mobile is gonna ruin gaming like you did five years ago yeah oh yeah i, mean, I feel it, like
1: there's it, like it, two separate markets now it's like there's people play mobile games. There's people play real game or like real games, quote unquote. Um, yeah. So it's like it's almost and they're almost more accepted now. I feel like there have been a few like hits like Monument Valley and stuff. So people are like more accepting of mobile games than they were when they're like and eh, they're all gonna be like Candy Crush. But even like stuff like Clash of Clans hits, which is basically like a like very free to play game.
2: Well, like stuff hits that's just like not a gamery video game. Like Kim Kardashian Hollywood is like oh, fucking that game huge. Rules.
4: That's it's a like game.
2: huge, but like nobody, nobody that like is a gamer like notices that's not even on their radar. Yeah. I think that this just, it's totally a different market. Like, I don't think any like anybody like plays Horizon Zero Dawn is also like a fiend for playing dots or something. It's like they're just different. <laughs> different people and there's no
0: the i mean i sure there's people but... i mean the thing is like it's not that, that there's not a market for this stuff and that's why it, people are disincentivized from going into it It's because the incumbency like the studios that have already struck it big there are the ones who are the giants who currently like basically monopolize the scene like your Supercells and your zynga hasn't been doing it hasn't been at the same level necessarily but um just like pop cap like yeah all, all these guys like they're already there like you're not gonna want you're not gonna want to come in and take on like king for instance um but at the same time like one weird thing about those is that they don't have like this critical community um like you have like uh these these publications that cover mobile games but they don't have engagement from like your average person who's playing clash of clans you know like it, the, the the community surrounding these things are like more in the YouTube type space and like it, and scattered about the internet in a way that's like much less centralized um so it's it's more invisible to people who are in the video game scene um in the ways that like we are for instance even like Minecraft is like difficult to find content if you don't like know what to look for you know what I'm saying like if you don't have your favorite streamer or whatever it's just a uh, The way that this information is strewn about the internet is just, like, a lot more difficult to find um, in the way that kind of obscures it to people who are not already into it. Um, Like, where's,
2: like, the critical Roblox commentary, you know? (laughs) It's kind of what I'm wondering.
0: I think that's a good question. I feel like that's something that, like, people should start doing more. You know, it's just like yeah. Uh, it's just I'm like
1: I'm sure there's blogs out there, but it's like I yeah, mean, like, like, there needs to be more like grassroots. It's like, like 30 it British be, like, guys on
0: YouTube who g- get like a million <laughs> like subscribers each. Basically, that's the the main Roblox crit- critics probably. Which is to say that there's probably like there's basically no crit of the Roblox community. <laughs> at all. Um, are we? I I. I feel like that's yeah, good. Yeah, I feel like we covered good. a lot of ground today.
1: I had a coughing fizz. Great. <sighs> that was a good... I got to say
0: the word labor a few times. Oh <laughs> Yusuf, uh, anything else that you wanted to add before we start wrapping up?
3: No, I mean, I think we kind of covered it. It's it's, it's going to be, you know, it, it's a difficult subject because we don't have no idea what the future is going to look like. And, like, it's already so hard to make games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, as I'm sure you know, Kyle. Been at it for um, a while. Yeah. <laughs> It's that like yeah it's these ex- I mean i think it's about adapting and figuring out like where to fit into like a constantly shifting ecosystem so yeah i mean it's cool to you know i'm glad that glad uh, thompson made this piece because yeah it's nice to like get out of our bubble of like especially like twitter where you're like kind of only following certain releases and and certain ecosystems and you're like no most people don't play games like that like we thought we like you spend a lot of words on it, and then like it just it's such a it's such a niche, which I'm I'm not against necessarily. I like I like not having to write about every part of games. Like I don't know if I would want to write about <laughs> mobile games, unless like they I mean, maybe it'll be you know one with a really cool take. Like some of them are pretty cool. I mean like like all the samogo stuff yeah yeah like Smoggo stuff is awesome and like in monument valley the first one was like really dope i
2: think so. there are tiny touch tales like hidden folks like there's there's interesting yeah, stuff, Hidden folks i've like, been meaning like, to play yeah but that, even that stuff still falls in the realm of like some of like gamery video games and i think there's yeah. so much other big stuff that like like josh's love magikarp jump like i don't think i ever saw an article of magikarp jump maybe like one or two i but wrote it wasn't, one like, a, it was big like when very it, early like,
1: it was small, on you, know?
0: you just yeah. were not yeah, you probably weren't paying attention. You just
1: attention. weren't looking. You weren't I wasn't looking. part of the
2: discourse.
3: You're right.
0: <laughs> um, Youssef, where can people find you online?
3: Uh, on Twitter at you, me, you. um, And that's
0: pretty much a good place to All look. Right. <laughs> well, everyone go follow Yousef because he's an awesome writer and an awesome critic, uh, award-winning critic to be sure. Um, And while you're at it, uh, follow Bad End Podcast. We are on Twitter at Bad End Podcast. You can email us at badendpod at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, rate us on review us on iTunes, and we will see you in a couple weeks. Later. Bye.